You are now listening to a message from Eka Christian Center. Get set to be at the fire. God has blessed you. Just quiet, I'll need you in a bit, but I want to thank my senior pastor. I'm going to welcome you again, but I want to thank my senior pastor and the entire pastorate for the opportunity to share. I'll be sharing on the five-star soul winner, but before I do, if this is your first time being here, I want to welcome you to Ikea Christian Center. And as usual, people ask, what is the meaning of Ikea? Right? So Ikea is a Greek word. It's not too strange. I promise it's not too strange. In the book of John 14, the Bible says, in my father's house, this was Jesus talking, there are many mansions, right? So the word father's house there is the Greek word oikia. It means dwelling place. And like we've been learning, the man in Christ is the dwelling place of God. So when we say welcome to Oikea, we're telling you welcome to a place where we recognize that we house God. Hallelujah. God is in this house individually and is here collectively. So if you are the house of God, I want you to shout a big hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome home. I'll be sharing briefly on the five-star soul winner. Yesterday's sermon was really something. I mean, I was up by 3 a.m. and I was listening to it again. Those types of sermons you don't listen to once. You listen to it over and over again till it takes over your consciousness and determines all that you do and say. You know, there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing something like you know your name. Because in this kingdom, knowledge drives action. In this kingdom, you cannot say you know something and you don't do it. You cannot say, I know it and I am walking in the light of it, but I am not expressing what it says. Look, the word of God has the ability to produce in you what it talks about. And yesterday we learned that we are seated in Christ, far above principalities and powers, far above all the wiles of the enemy, far above every name that is named in all three worlds. And that is really something. That knowledge is meant to produce something in us. It is meant to spur us to something. Because it's not head knowledge that I know it's, you know, I know I am seated in Christ. When you truly know, light propels you into what God wants you to do. Now, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew 28, 18, 20. PF touched on this yesterday evening. So I'm sure with what PF taught, we have greater insight into this passage right you know growing up they used to call it the the go mandate or the go commission or the great commission but we received so much more insights into what it means is it up on the screens okay praise god let's read together one to go and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth let's go to the next verse Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now this is Jesus' commandment to the disciples. Right? He was talking to the disciples, but it was written for us. It was written for everybody that will come to believe on the name of Jesus. Look, in the package of salvation is a calling to ministry. 
You know, one of the scriptures that we were taught to use to preach the gospel is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Can we read it together? If any man what? Be in Christ. He is what? A new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But if you read just a bit further down in verse 18, it talks about the fact that to this man who is a new creature, a ministry has been committed into his hands. That ministry is called the ministry of reconciliation. It is not that God is about to reconcile the world to himself. It is not that God will do it tomorrow. It is not that God has a plan for reconciliation tomorrow. It is that he has already done it. That is why it is good news. And like we learned yesterday, there is not a single man on the earth that the devil has legal rights over. Your job is to take this message to that man who is ignorant of this fact and let him know that, look, Jesus did this for you. He's not about to do it. God is not angry with you. You know, when we see the word reconciliation, we think God was, you know, angry. So God is sitting at the table with man and they are going over the details of man's transgression. And God is considering whether he's going to, you know, um, 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 make peace with man. But it was independent of man. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So it's not dependent on what man has done or what man is going to do. It's what God has already accomplished for man in Jesus. It will be a crime that God spent this much, did this much, and we don't tell the people he did it for. In the book of Ephesians 4, from 11 downwards, you know, we talk about the fivefold ministry gifts. The teacher, you know, the pastor teacher, we talk about the prophets, we talk about the apostles, and we learn that they are given to the church for the edification of the saints for the perfecting of the saints for the furnishing of the saints but it is to an end it says that it is for the work of ministry so when pf is teaching you know and giving you insights from the word of god that you probably would never have seen before then by yourself it's not so that you can just shout glory and roll on the floor from here to abuja it is so you can take that word that consciousness, that light, and go into the world with it. So any knowledge that is just sitting there in your notepad or sitting there in your head and you are not using it for the purpose for which God has sent us, that knowledge is wasting. It is not producing in you what it ought to produce. We have a mandate to go into all the world and bring people in. That's the purpose of this meeting. The equipping, the building up, the furnishing so that you can do the work of ministry. Because there is a world out there and there are people that need to hear this message. Do we all agree? There are people that need to hear this message. There are men that are perishing. There are people who have never heard about Jesus. You'll be shocked. There are people who what they've heard about Jesus is inaccurate. You laugh at the person who stands up in the bus to preach the gospel and says, don't wear trousers, don't wear earrings. You are laughing at them. But those people, their favor is showing in the wrong thing, but it is showing. We that we know better, are we doing better? Are we filling all the earth with accurate knowledge of what God has done? 
Because the gospel is very specific. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, you see that the gospel is very specific. And it is only that specific message that can produce in the man that is hearing it what he talks about. That's why you can't say, oh, I want to bring people into the kingdom. So you water down the message and preach something else to them. They cannot be saved if they don't hear the right thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 talks about the message, how Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for the remission of sins. That is the gospel. Anything else is false. Until men hear this gospel in its purest state, the word of faith cannot be imparted. It cannot produce faith in them that hear it. The gospel can produce in men what it talks about. When you preach the gospel, you are doing it by the influence of the Spirit. And by the Spirit, you are able to give men what is required for regeneration. So that more men can come into that family. That supernatural family that PF talked about. That showed us from the scriptures. In the book of Hebrews 2, we saw that we've come into a family. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. But he wants more men. Anybody that tells you that Jesus doesn't care about numbers is lying. Uh-uh. You just imagine you made an investment. You then say, I don't care about the return of my investment. I don't care how much I make. It doesn't work like that. It's a numbers game. It's not a game. But it's a numbers business. Because God wants all men to be saved. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Timothy. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. Are you with me so far? Have I lost you? Okay, I'm going to need us to be fast so that I won't have to. Okay, praise God. Let's read together. I want to go. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Next verse. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved? Everybody say all men. All men. All of the world. All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Everything that happened yesterday, you know it was by the Spirit of God. The teaching by the Spirit. The manifestations by the Spirit. But you know, sometimes believers talk about, you know, people say they talk about the Spirit of God like he's their boyfriend. You think the Spirit of God is in you primarily for gists. Holy Spirit, is this what I should wear today? Yes, he can influence your dressing. Don't get me wrong. Or, but Holy Spirit, somebody really offended me. I'm just going to talk to my boyfriend about it. I'm just going to air my, my, my feelings out to the Holy Spirit. And that all of that is valid because he's in us and he's a friend. But you must understand that this spirit is not just any spirit. He's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of Christ. He is God. 1 Corinthians 2, it says, who knows what is in the spirit of a man, except, who knows what is in the heart of a man, rather, except the spirit of the man that is in him. Meaning that if you want to understand God, the purposes of God, the plans of God, it is by the spirit. And he gave you 100% of that spirit, such that every purpose in God, every plan in God for mankind has been downloaded on your inside. 
So if that spirit houses all of God's purpose, if that spirit houses all of God's plan, if that spirit is the agent by which God's plan was followed all through the Old Testament, all through the history that we have, up until this very moment that the church has been better, why do you think that he's in you for anything different? The Spirit of God is in you for conformance to the image of Christ and also for the fulfillment of the purpose of Christ on this earth. That is why he is in you. In Acts 1.8, when Jesus was living, he said, Behold, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, You shall be witnesses. Witnesses. Meaning that the endowment, the power that was given to them was for a purpose. It's not just so you can stay in your house and lay hands on your head. Give only yourself word of knowledge. Give only yourself word of wisdom. Me, my family, and I, our small car, our small house, our money in bank account, our, our money in the bank is all about me, 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 me. The five-star soul winner has moved beyond his own personal needs. He has moved into the realm of what God wants. What God desires. What God has equipped me for. What God has called me to do until this vision is birthed in your heart, you are not fulfilling purpose as a believer, except you are something else. As long as you are a believer, this is what purpose is. Praise God. Have I poured cold water on you? Somebody say yes, ma. I apologize. Five things to note about the five-star soul winner. Are you with me? Number one, this is a person sold out to God. We hear that word sold out a lot, although that phrase, see, the person is sold out, sold out to God. It's what I just described. A person who no longer desires to live just for themselves, just for their bank accounts. They don't make decisions based on, you know, how much it profits my belly. They make decisions based on what God wants to do in light of the gospel. This person has moved away from personal needs to what God wants. This is a person with ready feet and a softened heart. You know, there are some of you, by virtue of ignoring the instructions of God over and over again, your heart is getting hardened. And this is a word for somebody. Your heart is getting hardened because you do it over. And I'm not talking about, you know, your heart as your recreated human spirit. I'm talking about this, your mind is being dulled to the voice of God because you disobey over and over and over again. Sensitivity grows with obedience. If the Spirit of God tells you something small, you ignore, you don't do it, the next time that voice is fainter. When it now comes to the big things, you can't discern his voice. So for that person who the Lord is pulling on the strings of your heart, tugging on your heart, saying, this is what I called you for. This is what I want you to do. Get up in that bus and preach. Talk to that person on the road. Start that conversation with that person in the office. This word is for you. You know, there's something I used to do back then in, in the office. Anytime there was any opportunity, you know, because people like to bash church a lot. I hope you know. We're like the whipping child of the world. Anytime... They are just in the mood. All these pastors safe. Somehow that conversation will start in the office. You know, there was a time I would just, for the longest time, avoid because, I mean, you don't want to get involved. But 
I started using it as an opportunity. I remember then in this place I was working at. So they'll start the conversation and somehow I'll just bring it to the gospel with a couple of people listening. Just chuck it in there. Because in a formal environment, it's a bit more difficult, Abby. They will have rules and all of these things and before you know it, you can overstep and they'll say, ah, why did you do this? So you have to find clever ways by the leading of the spirits to just slide it in there. Or just talking with somebody, ah, how was church yesterday? Well, I don't go to church. Ah, why now? And then before you know it, you are talking about the gospel. You are inviting them to church. I always say that, I always tell people that if you are too afraid or too shy to preach the gospel, invite them to church. I'll preach to them for you. Abby, is there anybody that will hear what PF taught yesterday and remain the same? Yeah. So if you are too shy, even though you shouldn't be, that's why we have this message, right? There's nothing to be shy about. It's a very simple message. It's not about standing on the road quoting Greek and Hebrew. It's a very simple message. Look, that Greek and Hebrew is so you understand and you can preach it in the simplest form possible. Look, it's not for you to... Now, there are certain cases where you may need to break down scriptures so you can get them to the simplicity of that message that saves. But that Greek and is not the message. It's not it primarily. The message is simple. Jesus died for the remission of your sins, was buried. He rose again on the third day for your justification. If anybody believes in Jesus, he has life in him. Hallelujah. The second thing to note about the five-star soul winner, this person is a person of much prayer. We read in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4, it says, all manner of prayer and supplication be made. He was talking about the salvation of the souls of men. Because God desires that all men are saved. You cannot do spiritual exercise with the arm of the flesh. How many of you have tried to go on outreach without praying? To be as if you are hitting a stone wall. Because it is the God of this world that has blinded the hearts of men. So you want to go up against forces in this. Yes, you are seated. But you see, you need to pray. So that what is within will be expressed without. The man that is a five-star soul winner is also a man of much praying. Because you do much praying for the people you are going to preach to on your knees first. You do the work on your knees first. You make the road easy on your knees first. And then you go out there and you have ease. One thing that usually accompanies evangelistic streams is healing miracles, signs, wonders. Look at what happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. They all began to speak with other tongues. They were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. And people gathered. That's what it does. That's what the signs do. People will gather and say, what is happening in this place? It's like God is here. And then you use that opportunity to preach the message. Look at Peter with the man in Acts 3. The man that was lame. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto you. Rise up and walk. Praise God. The third thing to note is that this person is a man of the word. A person of the word. In Matthew 28, it says, go into all nations and teach. Make disciples. Disciple there is a student. Meaning that there is a doctrine of Christ. There is a teaching. So you have to be skilled in this word. Because the, the moment you go and speak to somebody 
about Jesus and they get saved, your job doesn't end there. There is the job of discipleship. And it is you who preach to them that should start the job of discipleship. You may not be able to do everything. You, know, you may not be able to answer every question, but you must be a discipler. You will call the person. How are you doing? It's like having a baby. You know, my son has really shown me Pepe, the CRC, right? Crying, forcing, you know, all of that. That's what babies do. So sometimes you've preached to somebody, the person has come, they will annoy you. You, you, you go to go and pick the person for church. You see them in boxers and singlets. As they, they will, your eyes will meet and they'll still run back inside like they didn't see you. You now call them and say, I'm not feeling fine. I'm not feeling fine. But you keep calling them. Ask, you know, lucky workers. They've, they've seen Pepe. You call, 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 call. You follow up. You pray for them. You go again. You teach them the word. You will say the same thing like two. If you, if you have a toddler, you will know you will say things like 300 times before they hear what you're saying. You will say it again. Again and again. You don't stop. You don't relent. You don't give up. This person has believed. They will have those moments where they are shaky in their faith. They've received the faith of God. They are born again, but they are not sure how to walk. You teach them how to walk. You're a man of the word. So you yourself, if you are not sitting under sound teaching, you are not given to accountability. You are not given to service. You are not given to systems. The number one rule of discipleship is that you are able to model what you are talking about. It's not about saying it. It's about being it. Because your disciples will be watching. Do you sit under the ministration of God's word? Are you submitted to a pastor? You are not following everybody, but you say, follow me as I follow Christ. It's a problem. Praise God. What next to note about the five-star soul winner? A man that is a people person. Now, when I say people person, I don't mean that, you know, you're just jovial, just social. I mean, this is a person that genuinely sees people through the right lens. Because if you don't see people through the right lens, see, some of you, your interactions with people will change the moment you realize that you have to preach to them. Am I lying? Am I lying? Some of you, you are rude. You, you are, <laughs> your mouth just be licking, licking. So they'll say that same place that you have displayed, go and preach there, is now a problem. They'll say, eh, Jesus loves you. You, Jesus loves me. <laughs> this is a problem. Your, this also covers your conduct. Your conduct is not what, you know when people say that, oh, I just want to shine the light so that people will get. No, it's not your conduct that saves a man. But let me tell you, your conduct can be a hindrance. You are a people person. You love people the right way. You show people the love that Christ would have shown them. You relate with all men in wisdom and in love. And the last thing that we should note about the five-star soul winner, this is a man with great sensitivity to the Spirit, giving to much demonstrations of the Spirit. You can't do a spiritual exercise with physical ability, with the arm of the flesh. The spirit would tell you, look at Jesus with the woman at the well. He told her all about her life. That's why she went into the town and told everybody about him. What was happening there is no word of knowledge. 
this, 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 this. All of a sudden, I've seen it many times on outreaches. You go and talk to people, please, or they'll be laughing as you're talking. The moment you just switch, the Lord said I should tell you this, this, this. Ah, man of God, woman of God, please pray for me. They now, they are now, their heart is sore because the signs are there that men may know that God is with you. I'm not just talking. God is with me. And this message I've brought to you is the message of God himself. That God has reconciled you to himself. So the man that is a five-star soul winner is given to the supernatural, is given to, the sens to, the, to, to sensitivity, to the things of the spirit. When the spirit says, go, I go. Sometimes the spirit will just say, step out. You step out. I was telling my husband that until, I think just the last place that we lived, there's no estate that I lived in or place I lived in where I did not, they did not know me for that. I didn't know much. When I joined, the first prayer meeting I went for, I wanted to faint because they were praying in tongues for hours on loot fields. Then PF will now carry us to his house that time. Except you dig a hole in the floor, you cannot escape that prayer because at least the field, you run away. In the house, the gates are locked. It doesn't lock. You will stay there. You pray 12 hours. We did all of that, all that training. I didn't know everything. But I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And every estate I lived in, I would go out in the evenings. While I take my prayer walk, I would go out in the evenings. I will go to the men that are gathered there smoking Indian hemp. And it's not about the Indian hemp. I don't even address that. So what's my business with that? If you like, smoke whatever you want to smoke. I am here to, you know, not say, ah, should I drop it? No, don't drop it. Ah, let's keep talking. They will drop it themselves. I won't be the one to tell you to drop it. Because that man that is smoking, God loves him. God died for him. That prostitute on the road, God died for her. So if you are turning your noses up at prostitutes, you are doing something very disdainful. Because the same grace that saved you is the same grace that saved them. You that ought to view people through the lens of what Jesus has done for them, you are condemning in your heart, turning your nose up because you think you are better. Nothing you have was worked for. You didn't earn it. Jesus gave you everything you have. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, kindly search for our Telegram channel using the link t.me slash God has blessed you.